When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lone alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York sports radio fans know him, the great Alan White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report here on Monday, November 12th from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, really, as well as LondonBridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437. Or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same, and we'll play what you have to say on air again by calling 929-274-3437. This week, Week 10 action in the National Football League. Week 11 action in college. Some more useless predictions for the college football playoff. We'll recap our picks in this week's six-pack and more. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Or we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting weekend in athletics. And as we continue to mention, for whatever reason, that continues to be the case. Each and every week we decide to do a show. Now in week 15, new report, old report, we're back at it. We start with the pigskin. We start with the gridiron. We start with all those other adjectives for the sport, as we always do, because it seems to be the most popular amongst fans worldwide, for whatever reason. The National Football League. Three teams now with one loss. Several teams now with, hey, uh, we don't know if we're going to have a coach come the end of this week. Quite the interesting week 10 in the NFL. Indeed, young man. Just in case you folks don't know, I mean, the young, the young John Tiny one is the new portion. I am the old get off uh, my lawn portion. Uh, and, and despite that, before we even go into the National Football League and the gridiron, uh, first and foremost, it's Veterans Weekend, Veterans Day. Uh, tomorrow is when it's celebrated on Monday. It, for all the veterans out there, anybody and everybody, you see a vet, you thank them. You salute them, you shake their hand. They're the ones who allow us to do this. They're the ones who put their lives on the line to keep us safe. So shout out. And happy Veterans Day to all the veterans. We salute you and we thank you, plain and simple. Um, The National Football League today was just a a couple of really exciting, highly contested games and just a bunch of hideous routes and a couple of surprises. Uh, You know, New England comes off the Green Bay win goes into Tennessee and gets basically overwhelmed by the, I can't figure them out, Tennessee Titans, where this is the team that got shut out by my Ravens, 11 sacks. And then they go out and they pretty much handled Dallas. Uh, 
by two touchdowns. And today at home, they completely dominate uh, a Patriot team. Can't figure them out. Just can't. I can, haven't been able to figure out Marcus Mariota since he's been a pro. I am going to stop trying. Because you look at that game today and you would think, well, man, he must have thrown for, you know, 300, 350. Somebody must have run for over, over, over 100 yards. You look at the statistics and you're like, how did they win this game by such an overwhelming fashion? But they did. Shut Brady down, pressure. Uh, Edelman leaves the game with an injury. And really never, this game never really in the hat. So the Patriots looking very human. Let's stay in the AFC East. A team that looks subhuman today in one of the more putrid performances of the year. And talk about coaches' jobs on the line. Granted, without their young rookie quarterback, uh, the, the Jets just get annihilated today by, lo and behold, have the Bills found a backup quarterback uh, in Matt Barkley? He laid of USC not so many years ago, uh, the vagabond who comes in and maybe it shows just how bad Nathan Peterman is because of the same supporting cast. He gets throttled by everybody. And Matt Barkley comes in uh, after he just gets to know the playbook during the week and they dismantle uh, the JTS Jets, Jets, Jets in a game that was never a contest. I'm really a beautiful day for football. Uh, unless you're a Jet fan, uh, you know, here in New York. And the Bengals in an incredibly important game for them with the Steelers taking Carolina apart on Thursday night in a game that we all thought was going to be uh, a good Thursday night game for a change that turned out to be an absolute blowout. Well, don't look now, but who's, who did, who did they're going to stop these Saints? as they completely and totally destroy the Bengals in Cincinnati. This game was nowhere near as close. I won't say as close as the final. It was a bigger blowout than the final score indicated. They scored all nine times they touched the ball, the Saints did, in Cincinnati, and put up over half a century, Mark, against the Bengals are yes, we're without A.J. Green, but still, this was never a contest. Really, the game of the day was probably, probably Seattle and the Rams. Seattle continues to fight every week. They dropped to four and five, uh, two of those losses against last possession losses to the Rams, and they lost another tough one today. Uh, but that was pretty much the game of the day. But you had a lot of routes in the National Football League today, and coaches' jobs you know, are, are Clearly, I think, going to be up for grabs. Uh, I mentioned Todd Bowles. Dirk Cutter's job, who's, I, I believe his team set an all-time NFL first where they put up over 500 yards of total offense and were only able to score three points. Can't figure it out. Can't figure out the National Football League. Yeah, and, and that's a trend as likely to happen each week as we mentioned uh, the excitement in sports because the National Football League each week has thankfully given us a couple teams that you look at and go, okay, we can basically pencil them in to probably get to the championship game in their respective divisions. And there's teams that you look at and go, I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen with them 
from now until then, if they're going to get hot at the right time, if they're going to falter at the wrong time. There's so many unanswered questions. And to go on a couple of the games you mentioned, I agree completely with the Titans. Who knows from week to week? Who knows who's going to step up for them? Who knows what Marcus Mariota is still? And it's been several seasons now. This game for New England, you can almost see this coming with any team. They're going to have one of these games. I was surprised that it happened, but when you take a step back, this is usually a trend in the league to see a team that you would think would win have a loss like this one. The Patriots still get to play the Jets twice more on their schedule. They come off the bye next week and then play the Jets to start that off. So that's not too shabby. They're also going to play the Bills again. I still don't think that they're going to have any problem at least winning their division. This game, though, does make you take a step back and think, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe they'll run into some trouble in the postseason. There's been a lot of those maybes, though, as we've watched Tom Brady and Bill Belichick rack up five championships. So it's almost a wait and see, and we'll see who falls in line once the postseason comes. A disappointing loss from them, but you mentioned the Jets. I mean, you and I can probably go to a Jets game the rest of the way out at home and, and pay 5 to $10 to get a seat at this point. And that's been a, a Jets trend the past several years Sans Mark Sanchez. Never thought I'd say that. Where you can go to end of regular season Jets games for a dime and enjoy yourself. If your favorite team happens to be coming into MetLife Stadium, go see them for five to ten dollars. Take the kids, take the wife, fifty bucks. As Mr. Babchick would say, when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. And it's interesting with these games, and we've seen them before. When it's a backup quarterback or when it happens to be two backup quarterbacks going at it, it usually ends up in a shootout. That's why I told you, hard on the over. We'll get to that in the six-pack. This is going to be one of those games. I didn't realize it was going to be so one-sided in hitting the over, but we see this happen. Defenses don't really know what the backup's going to do. The offensive coordinator and the head coach try some fun things. They do things a little differently. LaShawn McCoy rose from the dead today after nine weeks of nothingness. But 10 points and for that vaunted Jets defense to give up 41, this was tough to watch. I assumed it would be ugly. I thought it would be close. The joke was it'd be like a 9-6 type game. But to get blown off the field by the Buffalo Bills who came into the game with one of the worst statistical offenses of all time, not a good look. And you mentioned it. I, I don't know how you can, can keep Todd Bowles going. I, I don't know when, you, when is a good time to fire a head coach. I'm not sure. But you have a rookie quarterback who's taken enough bumps and bruises now where he's unfortunately had to miss time that you're going to invest this franchise in. You've got to make a decision now. Is Todd Bowles going to get his team ready each week to give that kid a chance behind the line? Because today, that's not going to do it. And we've seen it already this season with just three wins. There's going to be aches and pains with a new quarterback. But my goodness. If they were to fire Todd Bowles tomorrow, wouldn't shock me. We'll just put it there. I think that's I think that's exactly what you're going to see. I think by Wednesday, uh, Todd Bowles will no longer be the coach of the New York Jets. 
I firmly, I firmly believe uh, that that time has come. Uh, today is going to be the last draw. This will push. I have to be. I, I don't know who's going to make this decision. Is it Mr. Johnson? Is it the other Mr. Johnson? Uh, I, I'm just not sure. But I think the ownership group, together with the general manager, will make the decision that that's it. Uh, a performance of this proportion, uh, which is as 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 pitiful as you can play at home, considering who the opponent was. You know, this is a backup quarterback who has managed games for them in the past and who they've played somewhat competitively with. The defense's performance today was putrid. The offense was awful. The special teams were terrible. And again, they were taken apart by you know, Matt Barkley, who the last time he took a snap, I believe, was with the Eagles. And we haven't seen hiding your hair of the running back all season long. And lo and behold, you know, he has his game of the year. Um, I, I just don't think he survives. I just don't think it's going to, I think this is going to be the, the beginning of uh, the turnover because they're going to want to get this quarterback squared away. Uh, if not for the rest of this year, but at least for next year when they have a lot of money to spend and they are way under the cap and should be the biggest free agency spender in the national football league. And I don't think they're going to want to start it with this coach at the helm. I guess we can stay on the negative before we close out the football NFL portion, at least on the positive. How about your Browns taking it to the Falcons, who looked poised to be turning their season around after a putrid start? To me, this, this, is, this was a game that you, you need. There's going to be too many tough games within your division that you're going to have to contend with as the season goes on, as we know. The Browns, I, I know it was in Cleveland. Is that even something to say with, with the Browns yet? I know it was in Cleveland. I don't think we can use that term yet. This, it wasn't a must-win game, but it was almost like a, you can't lose a game like that. Like, how does the momentum that you built to that point just come to a complete screeching halt to the Cleveland Browns. I don't understand it. Shaking Baker Mayfield, baby. All right. Maybe, maybe, just maybe. Again, I don't want to jump the gun. You know how patient I've been to talk about the young quarterback in Houston as a world beater that everybody loves, who's led his team to six in a row. But maybe, just maybe, Baker Mayfield will be the one to break the curse of Art Modell. A lot of people thought that the reason the Browns made him the first pick in the draft when other people like myself, like Sam I am, as the top quarterback, was because of his accuracy, his ability to get the ball out quickly, get it to his receivers where they can catch it on the run. And he was 17 for 20 today, I believe those were the numbers. Three touchdown passes. Nick Chubb, who they took with their third pick in the draft, who I loved at Georgia, had a 90-plus yard touchdown run, rushed for over 170 yards. The Browns did it throwing today. They did it running today. And they 
took the Falcons apart in a game that once they got the lead for a change, they were never had it. This was not one of those games that the Browns are famous for where they compete. It goes back and forth. All of a sudden, the game like they had under control, they find a way to be competitive and then suddenly lose. Uh-uh. Not today. Baker at the helm doing damage with a diversified offense, a multitude of weapons. And this was a game where the Browns took control and stayed in control. Good for them. I love this quarterback. So far, so good with the first pick in the draft of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and, and Baker supposedly told reporters he woke up today and said, quote, he was feeling dangerous. Love him. Love it. Love the swagger, baby. <laughs> love That's what the you need. swagger. Loved him at Oklahoma. He's, he, look, if he, was an, he should have been an astronaut. He's got the right stuff. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not rooting against the Browns. And should they become a playoff contender, I'll be pulling for them incredibly hard, especially with the cast that they have. Young, hungry, fun. Maybe that's hard knocks on HBO talking, but I don't know. A couple years down the road, it's going to take probably. But if you're the Falcons, the Browns aren't at your level yet. This was a game that you should have won. And that's not to say that the NFC wild card is separating itself from the pack. There's a lot of great four-win teams in the NFC if you take a look at the standings. So there's still an opportunity. They're obviously not going to catch the Saints in their own division, and I don't think they would catch the Panthers either. But, but these but are the games that will a, come back a, to bite in the end. A bad loss. A bad, that, that's one you look at. It as, uh, you know, that's one, that one's supposed to be in the win column. Road games, it's always tough to win on the road in the National Football League, but that's one where the Falcons are right now that they really needed to have in the win column. Uh, for purposes of the wild card situation. Absolutely agree with you. So it looks like the Jaguars are dead and it's at the hands of Sir Andrew Luck. Is that what we're seeing this week? The Colts hold on. The Jaguars fall to three and six. I mentioned to you before the show that Andrew Luck hasn't been sacked in four consecutive games, 180-plus dropbacks, which is the best on the team since 2009, and the fifth most best streak in NFL history. He finally has a semblance of an offensive line to give him time to do something. It's seemingly looking like he's getting some connections with his wide receivers. If some start to get healthy, hey, Maybe we're starting to see that Andrew Luck we've been dying to see for the past three years or so. One in five start, losing some tough games, competitive. Now those competitive games are starting to turn into wins. And Captain Comeback, two, the original Captain Comeback, of course, the great Roger Staubach. But this is more Captain Comeback from the point of Comeback Player of the Year. Looking like the Andrew Luck before the injuries, now playing well and winning games. And that's great for the National Football League. The National Football League needs Andrew Luck. They want Andrew Luck. It will be great to have a competitive and successful franchise again in Indianapolis after all the years with Peyton Manning to start with Luck. Then they fall off the face of the earth. Frank Reich got the franchise turned around. 
moving in the right direction. As you said, most importantly, they're protecting their quarterback, which has not been the case, which resulted in all these injuries. I love him. Uh, I've said before, I thought he was one of the handful of most prepared college quarterbacks to succeed in the NFL. I put him on the short list uh, of three Stanford quarterbacks, ironically, that I thought in my lifetime looked in their last years in college to be the ones who were the most ready to go right into the National Football League and play and compete. The first one was Jim Plunkett when he won the Heisman Trophy. The second one was John Elway. And the third one was Andrew Luck. And just so happens they all went to Stanford. Uh, and it just so happens that two of them, Jim Plunkett and Andrew Luck, got the daylights kicked out of them in the beginning of their careers. Plunkett had to come back uh, with another team. And it looks like so far so good. Andrew Luck may well be on the way back with the team that drafted him. And uh, as I said, great for the franchise, great for the National Football League, and great for us as fans. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Now, we do record this on Sunday nights, so there is a small chance that by the time listeners hear this, either live on Monday or via podcast shortly afterward, that a coach is fired in the National Football League. But I will still pose the question to you, will we see a coach fired this week? And is there somebody that you're leaning toward it might be? Oh, it's Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles is not going to make it through the week. And Dirk Cutter may not make it either. But uh, I, I will be absolutely positively flabbergasted if when we speak uh, as part of this new and old combo next week that Todd Bowles is still the coach of the New York Jets. Well, I will be absolutely flabbergasted. Humorously enough, both of our favorite teams and the Ravens and the Broncos did not play this week. Interesting, interestingly enough. I'll, I'll take it as a win on my end. <laughs> well, interestingly enough, last week after losses, there were rumblings that this might be it for John Harbaugh and Vance Joseph, and even more rumblings that Harbaugh might be the first person the Broncos would go after should he become available. I don't think this is the week either of those decisions get made, obviously, because I think they would have already especially with a bye week for a new coach to get used to his team. I'm not even sure it'll happen this season, but we'll see how badly the Broncos, my team, loses the rest of the way. That might change. So we're safe at least this week. I agree with both your assessments. It wouldn't surprise me if either or both of them were gone by the end of this week just to start trying to right the ship because, especially if you're the Bucks, I'm sorry, but... Fitzmagic is unfortunately not going to be the answer for the franchise. So either you have to find somebody that's going to figure out whatever's the problem with Jameis Winston or figure out what you're going to do without him moving forward. It's a terrible thing and situation to have to be in, but better late than never to deal with it. And we'll see if that's the case now instead of later. A lot of 
questions to be answered, as there always is in the National Football League. But on the more positive note, three teams have managed to shoot ahead of the field with just one loss to this point in the season. The Chiefs, the Rams, and the Saints. Who of the three are you most confident in? And I won't say they're going to the Super Bowl, but if you had to put money down, gun to head, which of those three teams would you want to ride for the rest of the season? Well, the Saints are the ones that, that, that are clearly the most dominant right now on today's performance. Um, however, I may be the only one. I believe in Andy Reid. I believe that the Chiefs are the best team in the conference. Uh, I don't think it's that close. I think the Chiefs will have home field. Although in the past, we've seen that that doesn't amount to a hill of beans because the Chiefs can't win a playoff game no matter where they play it. But I think that with this young quarterback uh, and the weapons, the way the National Football League is now structured, and all in favor of the offenses, barring major injury, I don't see anyone in the AFC, including the Patriots, uh, beating the Chiefs. To me, they are the squad that is the odds-on favorite of all the teams in football to go to the Super Bowl. Well, as a Broncos fan, I'm not going to follow you on that stance, but <laughs> I will say, and it's, a t it's, it's tough, which is good for the league, because it's hard to put your faith in Andy Reid, because we've seen what unfortunately has befallen him throughout his coaching career. It's hard to put your faith in Patrick Mahomes because we haven't seen him in the postseason yet. And it's hard to put your faith in a defense that unfortunately is injury riddled and doesn't have the same names on the field as it would like to. But man, if you're looking at the quote-unquote new NFL, this high-flying, high-scoring, just blow teams out, take their soul by the half, and then your defense doesn't really have to worry because they're going to be playing catch-up, so the score doesn't even look that bad. The Chiefs got to be up there. But I have to go with the Saints just because if I view them equally, I have to put Drew Brees and Sean Payton's experience ahead of that Patrick Mahomes-Andy Reid duo because of the Super Bowl, because another game with Drew Brees, eh, just breaking another record. We're moving up the passing list, the touchdown list, just living the dream. <laughs> week by week, it's another record after another one. The He's Saints, playing with remarkable efficiency. It's incredible. They are totally dominant. Uh, they took the Rams' defense apart last week, granted inside and at home. My knock on the Saints is always the same, no matter how great they're, they're playing. I, I never believe totally in the Saints until I see them go and play a really good team outside and play well and beat them. And I haven't seen that yet. Kansas City plays outside. Kansas City plays in the cold. Yeah, and they, they've despite, won a mile despite high. Despite their high-flying offense. They're used to playing in the cold. They're used to playing outside. Now, again... We don't know what is going to shake up the NFC, but certainly, at least until they have to play the Rams, they're going to be inside. It certainly looks that way. 
And if they have to play the Rams on the road, it's it's obviously not going to be in a snowstorm. So uh, it's just going to be out of grass. Uh, but and they're right now they're the most dominant team. There's no doubt about that. But what they're doing to teams, you know, with their offense, uh, speaks well of them. It speaks very poorly of the defense in, in, throughout the league. But they're just making it look way too easy. I mean, like I said earlier today, nine 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 possessions, nine scores. Right. They, they look like they're playing against defenses that are out there with you know seven or eight guys. It's remarkable. To me, I mean, they're doing they're doing the National Football League what Oklahoma is doing in, in the you know, averaging nine. Oklahoma's averaging nine yards a play when we get to the NCAA. Uh, right now, that's the way that's the way the Saints look. They they literally look unstoppable on offense. Right to to me, it's very hard to pick between the Chiefs and the Saints. Like you can argue it almost to a T. The team that has shown weakness and it hasn't come back to really cost them yet, sometimes that Rams defense doesn't look great. And we saw it again today against the Seahawks. Costly penalties, costly mistakes. Russell Wilson did everything he could to try and take advantage of those in that game. Unfortunately, they came up just a little bit short. How good a player is he? Oh, he's. It, it pains me that it's gone this way. And I don't know what the fix is. I don't know if it's the offensive line. I mean, I know he likes to create his own plays, so he gets out of that pocket real fast. I'm not sure if that's always by choice or it's by he needed to or he would have gotten sacked. But he's so fun to watch. It's just a shame that it's looking like he's only going to get the one with that vaunted defense that unfortunately – who knows what happens if they hand that ball off? That that's always going to be the what if. Hey, one yard line, they have. It's the always going to be the what if. And we, I'll, I'll always, I will always call it the worst decision in the history of sports in yeah. my life of, of major sports in my lifetime. The right. decision to throw the ball on the goal line uh, with Marshawn Lynch in the backfield and the clock running, uh, and not making Belichick call call a timeout and at least run it on. on you know, and then if you get stopped, he's got to spend the time out, and you decide from there. Right. But to not run the ball on that play and throw it in the middle, in traffic, we relive it again. The nightmare, all right, uh, that, that Pete Carroll, uh, I'm sure he sleeps at night, but I know I wouldn't. Um, but Russell Wilson's a wonderful player. He's doing everything within his power. They've got a brutal schedule. It's a second heartbreaker they've lost to the Rams. Um, they lost a tough one last week to San Diego. Uh, that they could have come back and, and pulled the rabbit out of the hat when Dave Moore drops the ball in the end zone. Uh, they lose a tough one, real tough one. And now at four and five, they are in pretty tough shape because uh, their schedule the rest of the way is murder. That's unfortunate. And it was a game that they could have stole from the Rams, unfortunately. And it, it just showed that there's – seemingly more cracks to the Rams than there is with the Chiefs and the Saints. It's surprising with that defense, at least on paper with its names, you, you would think it would be a little bit more dominant than it's been. And we still don't know if we can rely on a, hey, Jared Goff, you've got to go out there and win us this game because the defense isn't going to do it, or the defense has put you in position to win us this big game, go out and make some Well, plays. there's only one of them he hasn't been able to win so far. So, so far, so good. That's true. You have to, look, you have to love the coach. 
Uh, he's fiery. He's he is confident, boy. Oh boy, he is one confident dude. Uh, they're uh, and you know they, they come at you from both ways. They they really are a dual pronged attack. Uh, you know, young Todd Gurley is you know the best all-around right back you know in the game when he was first drafted. When he was drafted, you know the Rams were awful, struggled a couple of years. But now he is hitting on all eight cylinders. He's playing great football. Robert Woods has been a godsend for them. Bunch of first down catches this year, uh, originally with the Bills, and has found a home back home out of USC, playing great football. Now, they lost Cooper Cup today. I haven't heard a diagnosis yet. It looked like the famed ACL uh, out of cut, but... That will be a big loss for them if, if he's not able to go uh, the rest of the season. But we'll see. We'll see. I have not heard uh, heard early diagnosis on Cup yet. They got a lot of weapons, but that would be a loss of a big one uh, if he's not able to come back this year. Yeah, the early diagnosis from the head coach was the not good, and then the later diagnosis from the team was the feared torn ACL. He'll have the MRI tomorrow, but as you mentioned, not good. And somebody that you don't want to say he's replaceable, but he really emerged this year as someone greatly reliable to that offense. You hope and cross your fingers you can find somebody else that could also contribute to go along with the Cooks-Woods threesome that they have going. But that's, that's tough to have to figure out. But on the bright side, if there is one, there's – several more games left to play to maybe get some chemistry going into the postseason. So we'll keep posted on that. We've got about 15 minutes left in the show. We don't have any sponsor to throw an ad out here with the final 15 or however you'd like to view it. So I can just throw out the As number. we hit the quarter pole, we <laughs> have to touch on you know, what looks like it's going to be uh, a, a wild down-the-stretch uh, race for the final four in the NCAA. Well, you're forgetting. You're Syracuse Orange and 929-274-3437. I'm leading you right there. We'll go, uh, we'll go 929-274-3437. If anybody wants to send us a text or save a voicemail, we will get to your questions, your comments, whatever you might want to say with us. We'd be remiss if we didn't start with college out with your Syracuse Orange basically getting Bobby Petrino out of Louisville. Quite the win for those guys. Well, Petrino gone, Patino gone. So uh, we can finally say goodbye uh, to a couple guys who've certainly had checkered careers amidst a great deal of controversy. Uh, Patino stayed successful on the court. Uh, Bobby Petrino's program has fallen off the face of the earth. No greater an example of it by being throttled in the Carrier Dome, uh, 55-24 the other night, uh, to start uh, your uh, NCAA college football weekend on a Friday night. Well, it's been and difficult, too, to keep them, keep them in order. Petrino, it's, it's been hard to have them both be at Louisville. It's nice to make it a little bit easier on us sports guys that have to remember these last names, just to keep well, them in line. One thing, you can, one thing that they both spelled, that was trouble. Well said. <laughs> That's a mic drop moment. So you were talking about the top four, and 
not really any huge support. We had more teams in the like 11 to 25 range that unfortunately lost that we now have to find new ones to fill that void. But at least for the top four, it remains the same. Alabama, Notre and Dame, even, Clemson. Even down Michigan. the line, even down the line, everybody yeah. else holds serve. Oklahoma in Bedlam hangs on in a wild and woolly affair. What else is new? I don't know what the under over was in that. It could have been 90. All right, who knows? Uh, but it did go over if that's what it was. Uh, as Mike Gundy decides to go for two, uh, no problem with the decision. Uh, so Oklahoma wins by a point that's not going to uh, gain any admirers in the uh, committee meeting this week uh, in terms of, I, I think, them moving up. Uh, Ohio State gets really an ugly workmanlike W against Michigan State, so they're pretty much going to stay where they were. Uh, LSU does the job with two losses, uh, but at the top of the heap all rolls on. No pun intended with Alabama, although they lose their quarterback. Uh, they've got the Citadel coming up, so really doesn't matter who plays against the Citadel. But they showed some cracks in the armor. He was sacked four times through an interception. The offense was not a fine old machine, but their defense didn't give up any points. So 24 nothing against a rough and tumble Mississippi State team. Number two, uh, you know how highly I think of Georgia. And I believe they have the best running back in the country. Uh, young Mr. Swift is exactly that. The first Georgia running back to have two 70-plus yard touchdown runs in the season since a fellow by the name of, oh yeah, Herschel Walker, uh, who should have been uh, one of only two players to win two Heismans. Neither of those players, Hero J. Simpson, did. Uh, this kid, Swift, did not play at all last year. Uh, for the most part, because they just happen to have two running backs who won at the top of, of the draft, uh, Chubb, who we mentioned earlier to the Browns, and uh, the Pats uh, jumped up uh, to take their – did they take the Georgia running back in the first round, beginning of the second round? Help me out. When did they take their Georgia running back? Did they move up to take him in the end of the first round or take him in the beginning of the second round? I'll find out for you as you keep talking. because I forget which. <laughs> and, and he, of course, is now down uh, with a knee injury. But Swift was behind uh, both of them last year and didn't play much as a freshman. He was a little nicked up beginning of the year with some leg injuries, and now he is healthy. And the last two weeks, he has been a one-man gang. And watching him run the football, jump cuts at top speed, uh, nobody catches him from behind in the open field. He has no trouble running in between the tackles. I, I really believe that Georgia has a legitimate chance at beating Alabama in the SEC title game. And that's when all hell could break loose. And the setup would have to be that along with Michigan beating Ohio State, Notre Dame batting out and going undefeated and that would leave us with five for four uh, because then we would have one loss Alabama one loss Georgia lost to LSU with a win over Alabama in the SEC title game we're assuming here that Clemson just waltzes through the, the rest of their season and the ACC title game that brings us to three Michigan of course would be four with the one loss two if they bat out, 
the undefeated Notre Dame. And then we have five total and complete legitimate claims for four spots. And the question will be, who stays home? Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. First round pick, by the way, by the Patriots. A little, little quick research while we do the show. Thank you very much. Uh, My, so that, uh, that, was, that was at the end of the first round. Right, 31st pick, I believe. Yeah. My question to you playing out this hypothetical, and I'm still arguing that all these rankings still are a farce because it won't make a difference until the teams that have to play each other do. Then we can argue and yell. But right at this point, so many things are still yet to unfold that for me it's like, okay, let's just wait for it to happen. But I know you love this, so I'll ask. What would be more shocking if Georgia doesn't beat, does indeed beat Alabama? to leave Alabama out because they have the one loss to Georgia and put Georgia in, or if they looked at everything as it was, and we assume Michigan would beat Ohio State, the team that gets left out ends up being Notre Dame because they don't have that championship game to play and they looked at the strength of everyone else. Can't, can't, they bring Alabama in it, because of it its history. Ha- it, it will not happen. They won't do it? It will not happen. You, under no circumstances, can an undefeated Notre Dame team, with a win over Michigan, granted the first game of the year, when Michigan wasn't nearly as good, but I don't believe Notre Dame was as good as they are now. One, they're undefeated against a top schedule, granted without a championship game. And two, no, let's go back to one, Notre Dame. 1A, they're undefeated. 1B, they're in. End of argument. End of story. I shouldn't say end of argument. No argument. No story. They are in if they bat out. One loss, Notre Dame, is done. What a curveball from the committee, though, (laughs) if this was the year they threw out. Well, you know, we took into consideration that conference championship really holds a lot of weight. Oh, (laughs) baby. I mean, I I know that they want Notre Dame in, and obviously the ratings would love it and fans would love it. Man, could you imagine if it it comes down to are we going to leave Alabama out because of that one loss to Georgia, are we going to put Georgia in over them? How much is head-to-head? People's minds will be blown. It's going to come down I to want to see under, it. under this scenario, <laughs> which we all want to see, it would come down to Alabama and Michigan. One loss Alabama, losing to, a, I think, a, a Georgia team that's as good as anybody in the country. Or as I said to you before, I attribute their one loss as much as I like LSU and as as hard as I root for LSU because I love Coach O and I love the uniforms and I love Death Valley. I still believe that Kirby Smart put his team in harm's way by going for a ridiculous 
ridiculous fake field goal in the beginning of that game that I believe it was at 3-0. I believe it was at 3-0. And that chip shot field goal with their tremendous kicker to tie the game at three apiece. Instead, it, it totally flipped the momentum of that game in LSU's favor, and they wind up really controlling the rest of the game for their biggest win of the year. And Georgia loses a game that now has them in this position where they have no choice but to beat Alabama if they want to be part of the Final Four after losing a heartbreaker to them in the closing seconds of last year's championship game. Uh, I, I truly believe that coaching decision, whether a special teams coach or Kirby Smart's decision, was the most asinine decision of the college football season, and it put a terrific team on the brink of not being having a chance to be part of the Final Four. It left them with no margin for error, as it turned out, because I, I firmly believe that decision turned that game totally upside down. And now it's beat Bama or go home. Uh, now, this could all be very simple. If Ohio State beats Michigan, you know, Michigan's out. Then the Ohio State people jump up and down, but they'll be in the same state that they were in last year when they got demolished by Iowa. This year they got demolished by Purdue. And there will be no room for those teams who got demolished by someone. Even Oklahoma, all right, with their terrible defense, losing at the gun to a credible Texas team, right, has more of a place in the Final Four if they wind up winning the Big 12 because that will be the result of two wins over a good West Virginia team. Uh, they'll have to beat them in the regular season and all probability play them in the championship game. But they'll certainly have to beat them in the regular season. Uh, that would give them, in my mind, a better resume because the, the Ohio State resume is so marred by that Purdue loss, just like it was the uh, the Iowa loss last year. But this all remains to be seen because, you know, can Michigan seal the deal? Can the revenge tour of Jim Harbaugh be finished off? Can he close the show on the revenge tour by beating Urban Meyer and Ohio State for the first time? If he does, then they have a great chance to be in the Final Four. And it will come down to them and the loser of Alabama, Georgia. And will the Urban Meyer, everyone, will forget my misgivings if I keep winning football games tour come to an end with that Michigan win? A lot riding on that game. All I can say is for ACC Radio, if it goes in as it stands now, Clemson and Notre Dame play each other 2-3. We're getting somebody in the national championship game, and that's all we can ask for as a network and channel because we'll have something to talk about regardless. But as you said, it remains to be seen. So even though there might be an asterisk near this this week because they came a little late, to the six-pack we go, and to the college football picks, lay them on me for whatever week we started this and wherever we are now. Are you keeping the totals, by the way? I should do that. Near, I, am I, I need anywhere? an intern. You got, you got to run the totals. Your son's in this school. Week. Can he be the intern for us for this, listen back to all our episodes and, and tally everything up? <laughs> Unpaid internship on new report, old report. I think we can maybe find you can get some paperwork together for that little notarization. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> I, I had a uh, uh, 
a two and one week on the NCAA front uh, with really three games that were pretty much uh, under control the whole way. Uh, you know, uh, Tennessee's playing much better. Uh, you know, I don't like Kentucky. I think they're very overrated. Uh, Tennessee was a home dog. They took control of that game early. Uh, they were never in danger of losing. Never really, in, obviously, obviously, never in danger of of not covering. Uh, so that was a nice win for me. TCU has a great reputation. The numbers are on their side as a double-digit underdog. Uh, it was 3-3 against West Virginia midway through the second quarter. And then the wheels fell off uh, and they got throttled. Uh, so that one did not work out nearly as well for me. And uh, I, I managed to finish it off uh, with the uh, with the weekend of going two and one with my third pick, which was the <sighs> Ohio State Buckeyes, who I who I I can't stand taking, but I I just thought that that was a, a pick that was a cheap line. Uh, mine was three and a half. I don't like Michigan State this year because I just think their offense struggled so much. And it was really, you know, it, it was such a must win for Ohio State. I thought they were the better team. They didn't play that well. Uh, their offense was, I, I thought, mediocre. They dominated the first half. Their punter continually pinned Michigan State inside uh, the 10-yard line. So Michigan State had a long field constantly. And finally, they just wore Michigan State down and got a 26-6 win. So uh, that game was uh, uh, closer than the final score indicated. Defensive touchdown helped a yeah, couple short ugly. fields. Uh, so that game uh, at minus three and a half was in the hat for a long time. So two and one for me, which for other people's like going 10 and up. Yep, same for me. I, too, took the Buckeyes. I continued my trend of riding Clemson. And it was a little iffy if they were going to cover. A lot of people were getting it at 20. I got it at 18 and a half. They won by the 20. No problems. Never a doubt. Unfortunately, I did the, like, let's go with who a lot of people think is going to win a game. And I went with Florida. As we know, Florida running the ball to kill some clock. They get down to goal line territory to the two. Look like they could just run it in and score, but they decide to play the clock. They decide to be generous. They decide to knee the rest of the game out. They win by five. Oh. <laughs> Nobody sometimes can know how to beat those boys in Vegas. And th that was the tale of the game. I'm screaming at the television. And we, I didn't have any money on this thing. On this. We're doing this for fun. Run the ball. Get it. No. They knee it. They win. Great for them, not great for the gamblers. So two and one for both of us. Unfortunately, a tale of two cities when we switch over to the National Football League. Not a good look. Ugliness. As it usually Just goes for us. My, my picks were the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good were the Bears uh, against the Lions, who just, they find ways to lose games, but you know, they really are being outplayed every week. And the Bears at home have been very, very tough. Now, they haven't, I'm trying to remember if they've beaten anybody who's over 500. 
I believe at least five of their six wins are against teams under 500. And this game was really never in doubt. And you know, barring a late backdoor cover uh, by Detroit, the, the number was never in doubt. That was the good for me. The bad was the performance by the Pats, who I rarely take, uh, but I took them minus six and a half. Yeah, you figure uh, in, they win by a touchdown. In, in Tennessee. Because, you know, coming off a, a win against the Packers at home, but once again, going against my own rule of doing anything involving a Marcus Mariota game. But this is this was the last draw. This one broke the camel's back. I'm now finally done. That was the bad. And then came the ugly. Uh, I actually thought this might be a letdown week for the Saints. Uh, and they might have a snootful in Cincinnati against the Bengal team that needed this game to battle Pittsburgh for the division and everybody else for the wild card. And this game was, as Ken Hawkinson would say, over incredibly early before halftime. And so one and two for yours truly, a six pack that overall is three and three for the week. I follow the same suit. And unfortunately for me, the good and the ugly came in the same game, taking the over 38 Bills Jets. Ugly game, but the over was a good call. You just have a feeling with those games that you think are going to be 3-3 ties. They end up usually being offensive miracles. All of the bad goes into the two picks. After that, though, the Jags. Despite a letter Despite a Leonard Fournette sighting. Yeah, Leonard Fournette sighting. The Jags plus three. Sweet Lord. The Falcons getting or giving away five and a half points. That didn't make a difference either. Getting shellacked in Cleveland. Three and three. Again, it seems. We ride off again after another six-pack to hopefully a more successful one. Al, it's a pleasure. And as always, we'll catch you next week. I always enjoy it. Folks, Enjoy your sports week. Cuse and D in Yankee Stadium, Saturday at 2.30. Let's see if the Orange can spoil an undefeated season. John Tiny Lund, Alpha White Plains. Take care, everybody. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.